presence of the spirit inside everybody here tonight. Talking about the spirit of rock and roll, New Jersey. Do you feel it? Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and we're bringing the rock and roll again today. People, quarantine is here. Bassist PJ Farley from Trickster and from Fozzie. Luke Bryan, drummer Ken Slucher, and guitarist Joe McGinnis, one of the geniuses behind the Kiss uh, fan favorite band, Classic 78, are here tonight uh, to celebrate our new single and video, Love's a Deadly Weapon from uh, 1985's Asylum. We're almost at 100,000 views on YouTube, which is crazy since Heart of Chrome and No, No, No have just passed 100,000 views and they're seven months old. Uh, but you're going to hear how we uh, chose Love's a Deadly Weapon. Some of the Easter eggs we included for all you diehard Kiss fans who love 80s era's Kiss as much as we do. We shot the video in my backyard. It's the first time we've all been together in person since we started this band during the uh, COVID lockdown. I'd never met Joe McGinnis. PJ had never met Joe or Kent First time ever uh, you hear all those stories. Uh, come meet Quarantine, hang out with us here. How we got Kiss guitarist Bruce Kulick to play with us and appear on Heart of Chrome and in the video. Find out how much I practiced or didn't for the flaming hoop jump and Love's a Deadly Weapon and discover when and how you might be able to see us play live. Quarantine is coming up and so is a live Winnipeggers. The Idiot Olympics 2 is happening tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on my Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's live Special guests, more ridiculous contests. Uh, You know what we did last time. How bad is it going to be this time? It was our highest rated show ever, I think. Come with us uh, to laugh, laugh with us, laugh uh, at us any way you want it. Tomorrow night, Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on my Facebook Live and YouTube channel. It's the Winnipeggers Idiot Olympics 2. Don't you dare miss it. All right, it's time, people. Are you ready to rock? Quarantine starts now on Talk is Jericho. All right, so um, the band that's taken the world by storm, Quarantine. Uh, the one thing we haven't done yet is talk is Jericho. And it's funny, I'm just going to jump right in with this, is Joe is kind of a good graphic artist in a certain amount of ways. <laughs> so he uh, put us on the cover of Metal Edge magazine. And I put, <laughs> I put that up on Instagram. And so many people thought it was real. It was the best. <laughs> So they'll get a real kick out of the latest one. Well, yeah, but the, oh, that's what I'm getting to. But there was like, the Metal Edge is still in existence. And this is another thing. So I just literally put up the Rolling Stone one. <laughs> and the hilarious thing about it is some people think it's real, but some people think it don't. And here's the best part about it. Um, oh. <laughs> so it's like. Fantastic to see this. Quarantine's on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Congratulations. You guys have uh, uh, conquered the world of music. And then one guy goes, so it says on the cover, exclusive interview with Keith Richards, remembering Jim Morrison. That's the other story featured. <laughs> Joe, you, you spelled exclusive wrong. Oh, <laughs> oh, man. And you spelled remembering wrong. <laughs> oh, are you- oh, my we almost had him yeah it's exclusive e-x-l-u-s-i-v-e 
and uh, remembering is R E M E B E R I N G. God, how did I miss that? I don't know. How did we miss it? All four of us saw it and approved it. I, I looked at it several times and was really excited about it. Now I'm not. But how long will it take, do you think, to get mock uh, gold records? Let's really go the extra mile. Can't we call Steve Brown? Wasn't he doing that for a business or something at some point? A business. <laughs> um, I'm, on, uh, I'm on top of the uh, number 25 billboard chart thing. I'm waiting for my graphic design artist, a real one, to get it situated. So you guys will all have one. I Oh, that's great. Chris, I started making Legitimate plaque. Thanks. Yeah. Just, just make sure we spell all the words right on it. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my last name will be spelled wrong, I guarantee it. <laughs> and pronounced wrong, too, probably. Promise you that. But um, like I said, it's, it's great to do Talk is Jericho with you guys. It's the one thing that we haven't done. And um, we just put out the Loves a Deadly Weapon video, which is crazy because it's, it did 40,000 views uh, in the first week, which is really strong. And I was thinking today, we now have a quarter of a million views on YouTube between our three songs. Wow. Wow. No, it's funny. I just went into YouTube and I, I just put Kiss in. Mm -hmm. I think it's Heart of Chrome is in the top 15 things that come up, our version of Heart of Chrome. You type in Kiss and then you scroll down and before you get to like 15, our version, our video for Heart of Chrome is on there. <laughs> That's <laughs> great. That's insane, man. Well, you know, and that and that's the thing. Like, it, it, it's it's so cool to see this type of reaction. And I can't say I'm surprised because Kiss fans are super hardcore, as we know. They're super loyal. And I think the fact that we have kind of created this niche and made a name for ourselves as this band who, like I say, we're like the worst super group ever. But it is some form of a super group. We all have our street cred and our kiss street cred but the fact that we picked this gimmick of doing 80s unmasked songs only and ones that aren't on video or ones that weren't released in singles i think it's starting to get uh, a name value because of that it's, it's something that we uh we we tied our hands behind our back with this <laughs> <laughs> how do you mean well some people are like all right well what are you gonna do you can't do this, the singles from that era you know, people, unless you know the that era of Kiss, they're just like, all right, Tears of Fallen, you know, and all the, the obvious ones. But we, we go deep. And uh, I, was, I was shocked at how many people knew the Easter eggs. I mean, the, the you know, the, the, hoop, the hoop and the stuff like that. I mean, that's from Heaven's on Fire, but the beginning. Yeah. You yeah. have to be die hard yeah. Kiss fans to get that. And, and most everybody on that on the comments got it and knew what it was from so you're talking about the, the the beginning of the loves a deadly weapon uh video which features a lot of kind of inside jokes from the kiss exposed uh video from like 1987 or something like that but here's the thing a lot of people saw that that don't know anything about the exposed video and thought it was funny regardless true and that's the secret to doing that right very true and then they'll go back and get exposed hopefully well yeah but I mean, it's it's almost like it reminds me of when Metallica, like in the early days when they didn't have enough material, they did all that Diamond Head stuff, you know, Am I Evil and, and, and you know, Blitzkrieg and all those types of tunes. 
I know Blitzkrieg's not Diamond, but 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 people thought that they were original songs because they they hadn't heard them. So true. there's also a big segment I think of people that listen to Quarantine that have never heard any of these songs Definitely. and just just thinks it's a killer rock and roll band. Yeah, you read the comments. People are uh, they're in the dark. Probably some Kiss fans are even in the dark. Yeah. Yeah, because th- this is an era of Kiss that's not really um, exposed, no pun intended. And the, there's so much material on those albums. Like even when we revisit a, revisit them, like even if you're talking about Love's a Deadly Weapon, I never thought it was a great... I, I, let me rephrase that. It was never one of my favorites on Asylum. Same thing with No, No, No from Crazy Nights. But then when we started doing it and then started delving into it and dissecting it, it was, which is what you have to do when you do a cover... Like, holy shit, what a killer tune. And now it's like, I love this song. Like, how how did I not see this before? Right. We kind of polished the, uh, the old dust off of it, I think. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and obviously, Joe, both those songs are so guitar-centric. They're like showcases for the guitar player, both of them. Yeah, they definitely put me to work. And, uh, you know, whatever I do from here on out is going to be a cakewalk for me. Because, you know, <laughs> You know, all the heavy lifting already. I think. Yeah. Right. I, I couldn't say. I could say the exact same thing. I've never played more double. I haven't played more. I played more double bass in the past year than I have in thirty. That's what we're saying. There's not a lot of double bass parts, and that's my kind of night. Not, or, not so much. <laughs> but and that, that, but that must be fun for you, Kent, though, because and obviously none of us have been playing anyways. But even if we were, it's like like for me, and then I'll let you answer. Is that. For Fozzie now, we're, we're such a radio-centric band because we've had a lot of success in that. So there's a certain way you sing the songs, and my, our producer's very strict on what he wants, which is great. But to come and do you know, Heart of Chrome or, or Loves a Daily Web, where you can just scream and just all these high parts, like it was kind of a real, uh, like to let off some steam in that end and kind of keep that side of my voice working. It must have been the same for you, like you mentioned, after not really being a, ro- a rock drummer for 30 years, yeah, per se. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It, 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 made, it challenged me and made me go, you know, go to different tools in the toolbox. You know, I, I just, I had to, I'm a perfectionist, as most musicians are that I know, and I wanted to do it justice. So I wanted to really, really nail the parts. You know, I told you guys when we did the video, I did it, and I have to cut the air off up here in the studio area, and... I was literally, you, you look like I took a, a jump in the lake at your place. And it, it just absolutely was challenging. And it makes you really, really, really appreciate what Eric Carr brought to the table. And he was such a little dude and those huge drums and all this and that. And it's just it really, really made me appreciate what he did and what he brought to the table as a player because I was dying. How about you, PJ? Um, because like I told you before, when I saw when I did the Kiss Cruise and I was watching gene do the alive set that was the alive uh, in its entirety and i always knew gene was good but but he's really amped it up over the last decade or so what a great bass player and there's a lot of interesting parts on these songs as well how is it for you learning those gene parts for your style of playing you know i mean gene yeah is definitely is sorely underrated in in my book and i'll always fight for him but really these songs in this whole era that we're doing it's the arrangements are really the task it's the the timing the you know different parts and it's really just the arrangement that's and you know and plus a lot of these songs are fast and that's a lot of picking that's a lot of you know that's a lot of of work there and you know gene definitely didn't um slack off there but yeah i mean really the songs 
as a whole were a lot to kind of bite off and digest. You know, this song in particular was a little bit of a head scratcher. I don't think those guys could play that song right now if, you know, they were paid. And that's saying something. They never did play it. Yeah. Talked a little bit about this before, but I want to go into how this whole project got started and I'll throw it to Joe and Kent. But first, I want to say I was shocked to find out I do not have Kiss DNA running through my blood. I was sure it was there. I definitely didn't show up in my ancestry DNA results if I do, but all kidding aside, I did discover some pretty cool things about my family after I tried Ancestry DNA. Ancestry DNA test tells you where your ancestors are from, and Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their personal stories. You might find a famous relative. Maybe you're distantly related to Kiss. You never know. Or maybe a photo of your great-grandmother as a little girl. Or maybe evidence that someone on your family tree was a musician. Whatever you discover, it's sure to change the whole way you look at your family history and yourself. After all, the story of your family is the story of you. And you can order it right now at Ancestry.com slash Jericho. Ancestry can help you trace the path of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. Uh, Researching your history is a fun activity for the whole family. No other DNA test delivers such a unique interactive experience. And I know... Because like I mentioned, I've done it. I took the Ancestry DNA test, had a great time sharing my results with my family. It's made my kids more curious about where they came from. They started asking more questions about their relatives. And I've shared my results with my aunt and my goddaughter, who are kind of our family historians on either side, my dad's side, my mom's side, for years and years and years. It's helped them with their family tree research and the records they keep. Easy to start making discoveries with Ancestry. Grab an Ancestry DNA kit and start a free trial to amplify your discoveries with Ancestry's billions of records. Start exploring your family story today. Head to Ancestry.com slash Jericho and get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. Ancestry.com slash Jericho. Find out where you came from and do it now. talked about this before but let's kind of go into it from from joe and kent's wavelength of how this whole project started so i think you and i were talking a little bit chris and we kind of um when we were shooting and uh you know the whole concept of you know getting together and doing this kind of started from kent uh being off the road and uh and i had just gotten a uh Floyd Rose, you know, ESP guitar. I was really dabbling in Kiss stuff. So I told Kent, I said, you know, we're not doing anything. Why don't we throw together some Kiss tunes? And he's like, yeah, that's great. We kind of bounced that back and forth. And uh, No, No, No kind of came out of that. And, you know, we definitely didn't know at the time, you know, you know, it would end up number 25 on the Billboard charts, etc. <laughs> but, you know, Kind of a, crazy how uh, life works that way, but um, thankfully you two, you know, hopped on board and did amazing, amazing work on the song. What was the original plan for it, Kent? Just the two guys just hanging around, having some fun? Yeah, I mean, he and I, you know, musically wanted to challenge ourselves musically. So, you know, we, we tossed that one out there. We're like, yeah, man, but the thing between the two of us, we can pull this off. Meaning Joe can pull everything off except drums. And he can even play those too, probably. But anyway, so, um, 
you know, we, we all, you know, us three uh, send Kiss trivia back and forth, or I, I was to you, just silly lyrics and stuff. So I sent this intro, I'd cut the drum track and, you know, that thing. And I said, name this song. And Chris goes, well, that's no, no, no. He, you know, five seconds later, it came back and he goes, you guys, he goes, you know, what's your plan for this? I was like, well, you know, Joe and I, I got this guitar player who's incredible. And I was like, we're going to put it on YouTube. Ha ha ha. He goes, y'all need to sing or let me know. I was like, Hell he yeah. goes, you're gonna do it. I was this like, you're, you're you're in. Here's the contracts being faxed over right now. <laughs> that was a tough contract too, man. It must have been one of them Luke Bryan contracts, but I signed it. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. So a so text from ahead. numbers saying, yeah. Congratulations. Or uh, hey guys, this is or hey Joe, this is your new band. You know, here's your new man uh new band members. Say hello to everyone. I'm like, boy, this yeah. happened. Really quick. Oh, that's that's what Kent did with the with the group text, Joe. So what I find fun, much. not only musically are we compatible, but our uh, sense of humor. You know, a lot of our dialogue that we have in our group chat. You know, we we are cohesive as a person as as far as personalities go. We're cohesive as well. So you, what you what you really mean to say is we're twisted. We're twisted <laughs> like uh, like like most of what we do, right? Certifiably, yeah. But. Well, you know, and then I said, Chris, do you do you know a bass player? And he goes, I got the guy. With again, within five seconds, he goes, I got a guy. And he comes in, he reached out to PJ, and then I think within an hour we have a project, and we haven't played a note together yet. You know, so we had you know, we had big aspirations for for this thing. So, but what's so funny is is because um, PJ and I are in another group text with 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 Eric Martin and Steve Brown and Joey Casada, and but we had never played anything before pj or i don't even really know uh because you hadn't done the kiss stuff with joe yet which we'll talk about i think i just thought of you because of our once again our personality knowing how good of a player you are but i think to me the reason why i thought that kent and joe would think it's cool is that trickster toured with kiss that's the uh, first thing i thought and i was like well this gives him the ultimate street cred to be in this band one thousand percent i thought that was the coolest thing so so nostalgic for me it's like yes, let's please let's make this work. So, and here <laughs> well, we are. I was in all in from the get go. So, what did you think when I asked you about it? I was shocked by the the song selection. <laughs> <laughs> you, you text me like, "Do you like '80s Kiss?" That was it. Not like, "Hey, we're gonna go like no, no, no." And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. And he, and you basically just said, "Yeah, we're gonna uh, do two songs with Kent and Joe." We're going to do No, No, No and Heart of Chrome. I just went, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, No, 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 um, that one really threw me for a loop. But I was excited when I heard Heart of Chrome. Obviously, loving revenge. You know, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Right. Yeah. How did we come up with Heart of Chrome, Joe? I don't remember how that one was decided on. Well, I want to say that uh, Kent, Kent and I were discussing tunes, you know, even beforehand and He's like, well, we definitely should do a Paul one because I think if Chris is going to do this, you know, he'll definitely want to do something like this, uh, like Heart of Chrome or, you know, one of those. Yeah, he's a huge Paul fan. Yeah, I said, right. Chris is a huge Paul uh, guy. But I think, so do that. you know, I think uh, that was kind of, you know, in the mix or in the discussion at least. So, um, yeah, I don't remember the exact. I, I think I might have suggested because I remember thinking like like Kent just said you did and, and you said too like yeah I am a huge Paul fan and, and also too to sing a Gene song first was really strange 
because of course I love Gene, but, but in the eighties, especially Paul was my, was my guy. And I was thinking, wow, we're going to do no, no, no. Well, if that's the case, <laughs> Mr. Lead Singer Disease, well, if I'm going to do that one, then you guys are going to have to do the one that I want to do, or I'm not doing this thing, <laughs> whatever, yeah. which of course is not what I meant, but I was like, well, what about Heart of Chrome? Cause like Kent just said, what a great Paul song to sing. And unlike No, No, No and Love's a Deadly Weapon, I knew it like the back of my hand. Like those songs, I've been I've been singing that one since it came out in 1992. So where I had to actually put a little work into Love and into No because I wasn't as familiar with the vocal nuances of it. The Heart of Chrome, I mean, I think I had that session done in about 90 minutes because you just either you know it and it becomes part of your you know musical DNA or you don't. And that was one of those ones that just fit right in. Right. That that album is such a. I'm, I'm such a huge fan of that album. I, it would be, it would be not cool to not do a song off Revenge. I think that's some of their strongest work, in my opinion. And what's really cool about that record or about that song is that's where Eric Singer kind of came into the picture. And well, and Eric's actually the one that said, "Hey, you got to get Bruce on this thing." So when it came down to the section, the bridge, you tell me lies about all that you feel, all that stuff. I was doing the parts here, or most of the parts, some of the parts, and then Chris did the other stuff. We all kind of, but anyway, I sent it to Eric. It's like, man, what do you think of this? He goes, man, he goes, that sounds awesome, but I'd throw one more part on there. There's actually a high part on this thing. Like, okay, cool. So I sent it to Eric Singer. I said, what do you think of this? That's cool. Yeah. So, so, he, so hold on. So I, I never knew that. So Eric, Eric let, let you know that we missed, you're talking about the vocal part, which in the video, it's kind of, we, we did a Queen Bohemian Rhapsody thing. But you're saying that we had missed a harmony that Eric told you to try? I think so he said, "Man, you have to put that higher part in." I was doing, I did three or four of the parts, and Jer Jericho did the rest, but or something. I can't even remember who did them all. But anyway, I remember sitting at the desk working on it, and I, I just soloed the vocals, and I printed up a mix, and I sent it to Singer, and he goes, <laughs> "Man, that sounds killer, but throw one more part on there." I think <laughs> that's cool. A record like that, or something like that. So Singer, you should have him do it. I, man, I trust me. The thought <laughs> definitely crossed my mind. But, you know, I didn't want no, to. No, then the contracts really come into play. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I don't know about it. I think we got this. But anyway, it was just again nostalgic for me, knowing that I saw PJ, you know, on tour with them, and now we're sending all these parts back and forth. And I came across the video of, of PJ and I doing the literally the bass and drums. I found this video on my phone and just soloed the drums and the bass, and it's so killer. And I sent it to him, or I posted it again. I was like, man, that's just too cool, because you hear the parts and your bass parts, and it's just that's so cool. cool. It came together really, really organically, this whole thing. So. Well, it's another thing that Joe uh, touched on, is that, like, and we've all been going through different stuff in, the, in, in this lockdown quarantine area, but, I mean, it's, you know, we're all musicians, and even – even for me, I've been still wrestling, but I've been in the same city for the last 10 months. And I, thank goodness we can go there. But like I was thinking, like, I can't wait to go back to Denver or Dallas or Detroit or Toronto or London or whatever. But the quarantine thing with a K, our band, kind of provided an extra outlet of creativity. But also, which is such an almost forgotten word from that year of 2020, it was fun. Like, it was fun to talk to you guys and shoot the shit on, you know, on uh, texts and all that sort of stuff. It really was, a, was a really mentally helpful project, not just musically, but from, like I said, from a fun standpoint, did you guys feel that as well? You know, being in a band is fun, no matter what. I mean, 
guys get together, guys and girls, whatever, it doesn't matter. You get in a band and you start the group text and the ball busting starts and just the jokes <laughs> lottery. And that's the stuff that keeps you sane out on the road and why, you know, it gives you that kind of internal safety net when you're on the road and you're away from your family. And so you have your road family, you have your band. Because if you can get along with your band and stuff, it just makes it so much more fun. So forget about just the playing of the music and having fun yourself doing the tracks and doing a song that you love then making friends and, you know, having this whole other thing grow, you know, on the sideline of it is like, um, that's enough. That's the other bonus. That's, that's the half. It's half and a half for me, you know, the camaraderie, right? Camaraderie. And it's the, it's the make the making and the playing and the music. It goes hand in hand. So when you have that, it's just like, you know, that's the full Monty right there. We'll hear what Kent wants to add to that. But first, I got something to add. It's not about quarantine. It's about Steven Singer Jewelers. We love talking about our friend Steven Singer, a, a guest of Talk is Jericho a few times. I'm, I'm sure the competition must hate that because he makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better and easier, and he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer the perfect price always. I mean, have you ever wondered if you're really getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Uh, you just don't really like haggling or trying to make a deal? Then head to Steven Singer Jewelers because you won't have to negotiate or haggle. You just get the perfect price, period. You never pay more than the guy sitting next to you. And here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down so that you'll feel like you're getting a great deal. And do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on that kind of pricing and your negotiating skills? They won't be uh, in the case of Steven Singer because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. So check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or buy online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. All right, Kent, what has playing in this band quarantine been like for you during the entire pandemic? Man, it is definitely, you can ask my wife for sure. I, I, I'm, I'm a road dog. That's what I love doing. And, and, so it it's one thousand percent kept me helped keep me sane, and I still you know it's an ebb and flow. Sometimes I'm down, sometimes I'm up, and I just miss doing what we do. What's you know what's in our hearts to do? What's our passion? But this definitely gave me something to focus on because I knew you know I wasn't going to go be able to go out and play with Luke uh, anytime soon, but just because of the you know the world the way it is right now. So. This came along and just kind of unfolded, and it was just like I said, it gave me something to focus on. It gave me a new fellowship group mm -hmm, you know, yeah. to talk to, you know, and just another set of ears or another set of eyes to bounce things off. And you know, Joe and I were pretty tight anyway, and, and Chris, I've known you for several years now. And then bringing PJ in, like I said, it just kind of organically, everybody just like like Joe said, you know, when we got to hang out in person for the first time yeah. in a year. It, everybody was joking, cracking up. It was just the only thing that was missing were the texts, you know. We were doing it in person, and it was a blast. And it, you know, so, so there's definitely chemistry, and, and you know, it's it's pretty cool, man. It gives me something else to focus on and and enjoy. And you put Kiss and friends and things like that together, it, it goes. And just to say it again, and I, I think it's I think it's the same for PJ. PJ and I never met Joe, and I don't know if PJ if you'd met Kent. Either. So. We, we just met 
a couple weeks ago when we filmed the Loves a Deadly Weapon video in my backyard, but speaking from personal experience, I had never met Joe McGinnis in my life. We had talked a lot and obviously we'd worked together and we had a top 25 billboard hit <laughs> and had never met festive face to face and PJ hadn't met Kent or Joe, so half the band, you know, and that to me, it's like, it's a cool kind of like in this pandemic and lockdown, there was two ways to take it. One is to let it steamroll you over and wither up and die, or let's be creative and figure out a way to, to thrive as much as we can. And here we created this great project and this great band. And we said, there's no, there's no end to this. We can do this as much or as little as we want, but we never really have to stop it. And it never would have happened had there not been a, a coronavirus. So in that respect, it's one small, you know, plus of this whole thing. Now, Joe, I want to ask you this because once again, we've talked about this a lot, but for people that haven't heard Quarantine, this is probably like the biggest band you've been in. And the fact that like PJ has a gold record, Kent plays stadiums, I've had some success, but for yourself, it must be pretty cool to know that, hey, you have a, a charting song. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm still kind of new to this. Uh, you guys have been nothing but kind and welcoming and uh, making me feel like I'm, uh, you know, one of you guys. Because truthfully, I've kind of done music, but on a much smaller scale than all of you. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I'm playing with big dogs now, so to speak, and it's... <laughs> pretty amazing i had to uh within the first month or two um it really took me a while to kind of grasp the concept i'm in a band with all these guys and we have a you know a song that's what you know uh at this point no 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 has how many views uh a hundred thousand and fifteen thousand i think now like you said a quarter of a million uh total mm -hmm. but you know at the time I, I really had to kind of pinch myself and say i mean it's not you know on top of that the world was in you know complete chaos once this uh virus hit so you have so many thoughts going through your head but then this happens and you're like wow how on earth do you get from one end of the spectrum complete you know uh negativity to having something so great kind of blossom out of it and you know like i said you guys are definitely a lifesaver over here as far as i'm concerned because you've brought uh me not only me but my family loves watching this and they love uh you know seeing what comes of it so you know seeing what comes of it so you know i was gonna say as well um there's just, it's there's so many intertwining as keith richards says about him and ron wood playing the, the weaving there's so many weaving of our storylines together but going back to this when we put this project together as far as like i said if this was a kiss convention for example pj could go because he toured with kiss but Joe is actually has the most street cred at the time from hardcore Kiss fans because of Classic 78, which is Joe's project where, let me see if I get this right, you guys write songs and play songs in the vein of Kiss from the 70s, but they're all original songs. Sure. Yeah, is that's that ultimately how it works. You know, we, uh, my buddy Tom and I, uh, you know, pretty much... We'll put these songs together. Uh, Tom's a very, very um, huge part of that. You know, he's an excellent songwriter. I sometimes wonder if he is, uh, you know, Ace Frehley's long lost. <laughs> he thinks a lot like those guys would in the 70s. So uh, if you listen to some of the lyrics he writes, you could totally hear, you know, that stuff being on a 70s Kiss album or a, a demo. So that's 
pretty much the premise of what we do. And yeah, so what I was going to say is, is when that came out, and and we've mentioned this when I went to Paul Stanley's house to talk to him about the Revenge 25th anniversary. We were in his kind of living room, and he said when we were done, you got to listen to this classic 78. Have you heard it? That's, that's great. So I listened to your band, Joe, in Paul Stanley's living room. Wow. And then later on, we end up in a band together. Like, that's pretty cool, right? Easy to me. So was it a cassette or a CD? or, what, or, or- I just, I, I'm assuming it's probably the CD, or maybe it was on st- streaming or something, because I, like, like I said, we were playing... So when you go to Gene's house, you guys have heard this and, and maybe you've seen it. Like he's literally, it's it's the most coolest thing for guys like us. Every single piece of Kiss memorabilia he has. And I'm not kidding. Like he'll even say, I found almost every piece of memorabilia. And if, there's, if I don't have it here, I'm going to find it. To the point where he built another room upstairs for all the Kiss Hello, Hello Kitty merch. There's another 1500 or something. So... I'm talking, remember uh, color forms, like those little things when we were kids, those little... Pl- so he's got everything. Paul has nothing, literally. I've been to his house three or four times, and he's got a picture of Robert Johnson that he painted, and he's got kind of a man cave downstairs. Where they, I think there was a picture of Paul from like the Palladium in 1976 or something. And the one thing he has is a Kiss pinball machine, but it's an updated version. And so we played Kiss pinball and I beat him at Kiss pinball. So listen, I know Paul and he's my friend, but I'm still fucking a huge Kiss fan. So I'm like, I'm like you guys, like I'm in Kiss Paul's house and I just beat him in pinball. So forgive me if I don't remember if we listened to it on cassette, eight track, album, whatever the hell it was. It just, he, he put it on, right? So, you know, so there was that side. And then also, like, when I told, like, Charlie Benanti, he's a very close friend of mine, he was super excited that Joe was in the band as well. So you had that credibility from being, you know, in Classic 78 to be in our band. Just to interject, you've been to Paul's house how many times? Four. Four times. Okay, let us now know. When you hit his doorbell, what does it do? (laughs) (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. The first time he answered the door, he said, Lifestyles, you were here last week. I said, no, it's Chris. <laughs> Gosh, that, it's crazy. I mean, you talk about the Kiss 78, classic Kiss stuff. Joe, Joe, I, I knew, I've known Joe for a while. It was a couple of years. And he goes, oh, yeah, man, we got this thing, you know, and here it is, man. Check it out. Go get these. And I literally, my wife and I and the kids were out running errands or something. And I literally put this on and my jaw hit the floor. I was like, oh, my God, this yeah. sounds exactly yep. like Kiss. I mean, his Paul Stanley, like I think we've talked about this, is, 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 it's crazy how much it sounds like Paul. It's, it's, it, I, I literally had to stop the car and listen. Like I pulled over and we pulled into a parking spot and I just kept listening and fast forwarding and going to the next song going, these guys are every song. It's you think that they're like lost B-sides from Kiss from Love Gun Sessions or something. This is B-side, B-sides. Uh, when I first heard it, I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. Why are they not playing? Why are they not buying these songs? <laughs> That's yes, what I was right. saying. A lot of songs should have been. This would be great if Kiss was actually playing these songs. It's amazing. But Joe, this, this is just something you did independently, right? Like it's on Spotify, but it's not like you guys have a record deal or anything like that. I believe it or not, uh, we've been scouted by some labels uh after the you know after the releases but yeah it's all independent um 
you know, my partner, Tom, you know, he's, he's a very, uh, you know, he wants to do everything the right way as far as really, you know, that's why we didn't release it. It sounds stupid, you know, on the surface, but as a Kiss fan, that was a vital part to their success in the seventies was that mystique. And he, right. that way he wanted to put stickers in the CDs. So he does everything. You know, <laughs> um, and, and pretty much we agree on these things. And, but he's always one step ahead of me with stuff like that. Um, but as far as, you know, musically, I mean, the combo between two of us is, is uh, pretty awesome. And I'm thankful. He's a great guy too. Great. Guy. Yeah, it was, well, like, it was like Joe what, was in Gore, Gore or something. We weren't allowed to know who he was. <laughs> well, yeah. When we first were going to do the Saturday Night special that we did together with Bruce Kulick, uh, we were like, "Well, can we?" You were like, "I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say I'm from Classic Seventy I'm like, "What are you talking about? This is your chance." He's like, he's like, he's like <laughs> the, 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 the luchador. You're not allowed to see him without the mask. <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know? laughs> we should have unveiled him like separately. <laughs> Joe, we could, we could have given you makeup and called you turtle boy. <laughs> That's right. Turtle boy. Um, yeah, I, I went to the kiss convention in Manhattan and, uh, Peter, Chris was there and Bruce Kulik, but I wore this, uh, I had a shirt made up of, um, classic 78 and no one knew I was in the band, but <laughs> I told Thomas that I'm going to, uh, Manhattan. To, for, you know, to this convention, I want to see what kind of reaction we get. So I wore the shirt, and I could not believe it. Literally, every person said, "I love your shirt, man. You that that band, that band's great." You know, and uh, I wanted to be like, "It's me, <laughs> it's me." My booth will be over here in the corner. Right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? They say, "Oh, that band, what a bunch of turds." <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of fun. They're ruining seventy-eight kiss. <laughs> All right, PJ, you and Trickster actually toured with Kiss back in the early 90s. Let's hear some of those uh, behind-the-scenes stories. But first, I want to tell you where you can hear me telling some great stories about my wrestling career and about Fozzie uh, on Insight with Chris Van Vliet on YouTube. I'm sure you've seen at least one of Chris's interviews on YouTube. He's a TV host. He's interviewed pretty much everyone in the industry. But did you know he has a podcast as well? Like I mentioned, it's called Insight with Chris Van Vliet. He does an awesome job bringing out the best in his guests. He's great to talk to. He's got really good questions, casual, friendly, fun, not a formal interview, more like a conversation. I always enjoy talking with Chris, and that's why I've been on his show multiple times, and so has The Rock, John Cena, Britt Baker, my tag team partner, MJF, even Tony Khan. He's also had actors, musicians, Tom Cruise, anyone, uh, tons of interesting people from the entertainment industry, and in every episode, Chris always pulls out useful pieces of advice from his guests that you can apply to your own life. Chris Van Vlee's show is actually one of the first interviews I did after I signed with AEW in January of 2019. We did that in the back seat of, uh, of his car. Uh, yeah, I was actually doing a live podcast with Dory and Marty Funk up in Ocala, Florida, and Chris drove up from Miami, I believe, and there really wasn't much room in the venue, so we did it in the back seat of his car. And when I say we did it in the back seat of his car, that's exactly what I mean. Get your mind out of the gutter. Check out Insight with Chris Van Vlee. You can listen to it wherever you're listening to Talk is Jericho right now. Find it on YouTube. Insight with Chris Van Vliet. For more info, go to chrisvanvliet.com. That's chrisvanvliet.com. V-A-N-V-L-I-E-T.com. Go check it out now. DJ, let's talk a little bit about some of your tour experiences with Kiss because at this point in time, in like 1992, 
You're probably, are you 20 years old yet? 19, 20, 21? 19. You're a Jersey guy, grew up with Kiss, whatever it may be. First of all, how was that to even get the 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 information that you're going to be going out with Kiss in an arena tour? Um, I mean, that was, I mean, I, I tell the story. I remember getting the call. We were out, Steve and I were out in L.A., and we were we were mixing our second record, Trickster's second record here. And we had just gotten out there. It might have been the day we got out there or the day after. And we're in, uh, in the hotel, and we get the call saying that, we got, I think we had been offered the tour, but we were waiting for confirmation and we didn't know if we were going to get it because there was also stipulation with the timeline and we had a deadline to meet. And if the record wasn't done, we weren't going to go on tour they, and it wasn't going to pay for it. But um, we got the call that they accepted us, they green lighted us. And Steve and I would just jumping jumping around the room high five and and at that point i mean we had already done arena tours played with you know poison scorpions and we, we'd done it all hometown arenas gold records the, the whole nine and th- this was like we got the call and reacted as if we had never been on the road before never played before <laughs> just fucked us from well we really did get from high school <laughs> right uh, and, like, first thing ever and we was just like, it was amazing, you know, to get that call, even though we'd done so much leading up to that, that all went away. Once it, once we got the call, we got the KISS tour, here are the dates, you know, hometown arena, the whole, yeah. all, you know, boom. Did you do a hometown show on that tour? Badlands Arena, yeah. Wow, that must have been killer. Jeez. Pennsylvania, we did the Spectrum, Nassau Coliseum. I, w- I, would, I would expect those those houses were pretty, pretty full. Like in New York area, Kiss was probably drawing some, some decent numbers still. It was good. It wasn't great. It was, I mean, definitely much better shows, but I mean, it was good, but you know, you know, it's like New York, LA Mm. rock bands around 92, 93. That was, it was the grunge era. It was, it was a cold winter. (laughs) That that blows my mind. I saw that tour in Kentucky and they were like, that was the point. That was probably the worst show of that tour besides well, um, Arco Arena in Sacramento. Same thing. And at that point, I think Rupp Arena may, might have been the largest It's arena. a big place. And there was literally maybe 1,500 people there. Wow. It, it, it was, I, I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't believe the show went on. It was incredible. It's, well, so, so, they, so Kiss wasn't going to cancel, though. They'll, they'll play it no matter what, right? They oh, yeah. Not. Thank God. They were not packing up and going home. They took a pay cut too. I don't know if I should tell them. About that. <laughs> it was, it was uh, but still, you know, all with that being said, it was still probably my favorite non-makeup kiss show I'd ever seen. It was incredible. I mean, the set list, the stage, the whole thing. Plus, you know, it was, it was you guys, Faster Pussycat, right? Yeah. And then Kiss, and it was, you know, I was, you know, ninety-two, so it was. I was blown away. Like I said, the set list and the whole nine yards. But yep. again, Rupp Arena is a big place. Chris, you know Rupp yep. pretty well. Absolutely. Lexington, is it Lexington, right? Yeah, it's a big yeah. basketball arena. Huge, it's a, huge. And it's a tough market there. Weird tour to play one night in okay. a place of 1,500 people. And then we can go to the Palace of Auburn Hills, which is just about the same size, and be sold out. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Crazy. So Detroit and the, that Midwest area was still a bastion for Kiss, even at that point in time. All the places that that uh, Alive Three, Indianapolis, 
I think it was Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, maybe? Dayton or Cincinnati or Cleveland or something, yeah. I think it was Dayton. It was Dayton, Indianapolis, Market Square Arena, and uh, Palace. And, um, they were all tremendous. You know, and we we did. We had, we had great shows, but we had a lot of shows that was just like, oh, my God. What the hell? What was the interaction that you had with the band? Did you, like, good any good times with Gene and Paul, or how did it work with those guys? Yeah, I mean, um, Gene, anyone who knows Gene has heard, or has heard stories about Gene, he's a people person. He loves to talk and get in the mix with you. And, you know, Singer, too. I mean, Singer was in our dressing room more than Kiss's dressing room. <laughs> so come in and say, Eric Singer should be a drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Every night. He would say Eric Singer should be your drummer every night. It's like, Gene, he's your drummer. You know that, right? <laughs> well, he wanted a cut. <laughs> uh, there we go. But yeah, I mean, not too much interaction with Paul. But, um, yeah, no, Gene and Eric and, you know, see Bruce in passing and stuff. You know, Bruce is definitely, you know, a kind of to himself kind of guy. He did his own thing. But, you know, Gene loved to hang out and, you know, be part of the myth. Eat your cookies. Yeah, eat your cookies. He would come out with us on off nights. We'd go out to the bar or, you know, he'd go come shoot pool with us and hang. Jeez. Can't imagine Gene Simmons shooting pool. I I was just thinking the same thing. All that jewelry on at that time. Good at it. Tell you that. He wasn't good? Good. Um, I wanted to ask you, Kent, about something earlier that we spoke about when you mentioned singing the vocals for Heart of Chrome. Do you sing vocals live with uh, with Luke with Luke as well? I don't with Luke. I don't. Okay. Um, a lot of the re- well, it's just that you know it. I play pretty hard. I got it. <laughs> I heard you sing "Living Out a Prayer" and "Paradise." Oh, with, oh you know what? That that is true. I, I would go, I would sing lead vocals on "Living on a Prayer," and if we did it, we didn't want to change the key. So. If we're doing it, we're going to do it record key. So we did living on a prayer record key, and it was killing me. I do the whole, you know, I did the headset mic and the whole thing because I had to play it. So I was like, oh, great, Garth Brooks. Here come the Garth Brooks jokes, you know. But the the reason I did it is because of bleed through, you know, with a with a with an actual microphone. So yeah, I did sing Joe. Thank you. I forgot, but I did sing living on a prayer. The last show of the tour. We had the uh, drummer from uh, Cole Wendell's band got up and played "Living on a Prayer," and I went out front with Luke. Nah, that's nice at Detroit Lions Stadium. So that's uh, I was so nervous. I don't know no, how you, y'all do it, Chris. I don't know how you do it. Detroit no, Stadium. That's that's the one, right? I was I was scared to death. You know, Kent I was scared to death. You know, Kent's very soft spoken and very polite, but when he sings, it's kind of amazing. I mean, to hear him play in front of him, I think we're. I saw him, and it was about 20,000 people. And there's Kent singing Living on a Prayer. And it lasted. It sounded great. <laughs> Thank you. you. have a killer voice. It was, it was see, high. See, Kent's one of those Nashville guys, though. Every single guy that's a Nashville kind of studio uh, hired gun drummer can sing, can play, can set up the gear, can record, can produce. It's like one of those musos that probably should have been drowned at birth. He's so Talented makes me sick. Joe, that's Joe to me. That's you guys to me, PJ. <laughs> hey, PJ, your solo record's really good, man. Who played on this? Oh, I played everything. <laughs> right. Oh, that's great. That's cool. I uh, I play drums. I can barely do that. So uh, I have guitars. I, I'm a good guitar holder. I'm not very good of a player. But... No, they are. They're over there. I'm looking at them right now. So. 
Speaking of guitar, let's talk about Bruce Kulick, who played uh, on the Heart of Chrome video and on the song. But I want to make a suggestion first. Get yourself a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds and go listen to Quarantine. Songs sound amazing in these earbuds. Over a quarter million listens uh, on YouTube to uh, Quarantine, which is great. You're also going to find a lot of other things to listen to with your Raycons. You can think of them as a vacation for your eyes. We're all spending so much time staring at screens these days. Why not shut that laptop, close your eyes, and immerse yourself in some music or the, the, the fine sounds of Talk is Jericho. Raycons are great for audiobook listening as well, catching up on your favorite podcasts and pumping your workout playlist. I wear them when I'm biking around my neighborhood to get my cardio workout in. I wear them on the plane when I'm traveling to AW gigs. Pop them in to listen to the quarantine tracks we were recording and mixing. Uh, new Fozzie as well. Raycons come in a range of stylish colors. They don't have dangling wires or stems to get in your way. Super comfortable. They fit right in your ear, kind of like the in-ear monitors they wear on stage with Fozzie. They've got enough battery uh, time for six hours of play, and they're made to perform anytime, anywhere with water and sweat-resistant construction. The Bluetooth pairs quickly and seamlessly, and I haven't even told you the best part yet, Raycons won't break your bank. They're like half the price of those other premium wireless earbuds on the market. You know the ones I'm talking about. I'm going to hook you up with another 15% off Raycons already. Low prices. All you got to do is go to buyraycon.com slash Jericho. Buyraycon.com slash Jericho. That easy. Take advantage of that extra 15% off. Get yourself a pair. Get your best friend a pair. Get your grandma a pair. Get your significant other a pair with Raycons already low prices and an extra 15% off. You can treat everyone to a pair of Raycons. Order today. Uh, buyraycon.com slash Jericho. Just go to buyraycon.com slash Jericho and get that audio experience you've been waiting for. Let's talk about Bruce for a second. Bruce Kulik, who did play on the Heart of Chrome video, which was so, like, Bruce has, has been a friend of mine for years, but to, I was like, when you guys were like, we should ask Bruce, and I was kind of like, I think I might have even said, you can't, like, okay, yeah, you ask him. Like, how many requests does he get to play on Kiss stuff? But you... Tell us that story. How did you get him involved? Because he did a great job. Man, it, it was one of those passing singer goes, man, you ought to ask Bruce to do it. He'd probably do it. And I was like, man, I don't want to really bother him, you know. And yeah. One of those things. And next thing I know, a couple of days later, I have a, a message from Bruce in my inbox. Hey, Ken, I'd love to reach out to you. You know Bruce. He's very business. You know? Yes. And he's very, here's, you know, <laughs> he's like, here's, here's what, you know. Here's what I need. Here's what I want to know. You know, very, very, very nice, very polite. And uh, he wanted to be a part of it. Long story short, he was he was in. And again, I was like, what? Wait, whoa. My head was like, it's kind of spinning, you know. And now I've, now I've got to talk to Eric Singer and Bruce Kulik within a week of each other. And so and then I think Joe got involved with Bruce. Didn't, 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 because you've known Bruce before, before I had ever talked to him. I never actually, I had met him at a KISS convention one time and we spoke, oh. but other than that, I didn't know him. Uh, oh, so, well, there you go. See, didn't, didn't you have to help him set up his rig or something like that, Joe? Or was that PJ that did that? I know somebody had to help him with the technical stuff. I think PJ helped him and I helped him as well. You know, I sat yeah. on the Bruce for pro probably about an hour. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> listen, you know, I've, my whole life, you know, people have been recording and I've just been sitting there playing the part. So... He said, I'll gladly do this project with you guys, but you just have to be patient because yep. I'm learning this stuff, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, he was busting my chops for not being able to help him. I'm like, man, I don't, you know, I just hit things for sticks. <laughs> well, that's a good thing that we provided for, for Bruce. We got him in to basically make him 
get into GarageBand and then, you know, basically he, get into home recording for the first time. And he nailed it. His tone is exactly exactly the same. Like the record. I, and I was like, oh, my God. Did you have to show him GarageBand, PJ? I gave him a little bit of tips. I'm like, look, I'm embarrassed, but I'm running an old version of GarageBand. I'm like, I'm kind of a dinosaur when it comes to it, too. I said, but, you know, here's what I know. And, uh, you know, and probably call <laughs> Joe again. <laughs> and then, luckily, and then yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Kent. I was going to say that luckily you came into picture who actually really knew Bruce and, and kind of put yeah. all the pieces of the puzzle together and, and made everything work. And like he, like Joe was saying, guys, be patient. I'll get you the part. And it was like three days later and we had all the parts. Well, that's what I do. I'm, I'm the schmoozer, right? Like I can't, I don't know how to run anything. And thank goodness that my friend Ed lives in town. So I go to his house to record. He puts all the tracks together. But the one thing I can do, like you said, is schmooze. Once I found that Bruce was interested, it was like, Bruce, thank you so much for doing this. It's, you know, we, we, it's, a, it's a homage to, because he, he was like, Chris Jericho loves my era of Kiss. It's always his era. Very proud of that. You know, and to have him involved was like, it was really, it was really cool. Like, there, there's two sides to the to the coin, no no pun intended, uh, of having Bruce in because I wanted him to be involved, but I didn't want it to seem like this is some kind of a gimmick and it's a, like I liked having Bruce there, but I wanted the band to be built around us. So to have him involved was cool. But then when you say we want him on the video, I'm like, I can't ask him to do that too. Like that's you're really overstepping it. <laughs> but here he is, set up his little recorder on his couch and <laughs> play his stuff. Nailed it! Nailed it! Yeah, I, was, I, I don't even did I ask him that, Joe? Or was, I think you did. I put all I put all the heat on you, Kent. You ask him. Yeah. I haven't talked to him since. That's what you ask him. No, I'm kidding. He, you know what? He was he was so gracious, and like you said, to bring a heavy hitter in like that, you know, who was actually in Kiss right out of the gate. Yeah, it's like, do like you said, do we really want to go down that path of of doing that, and then you know everything else kind of be what it is, you know? So him coming in right out of the gate and it worked, you know, and it, golly, that, that whole thing was, again, was a whirlwind. Huge. It was huge. My point was like, why would he want to come and play a, a part that he's already played? Right. But he saw it as in like, and he's really smart. Like once, like we said earlier, this is bringing this whole era of kiss. That's kind of forgotten into the forefront to where people who have never heard these songs go, a that's kiss and B that's great. Yeah. Like, give me more of that. He heard no, no, no before he said yes. He did. I, I, I said I it to him because he did. You know, it's, it, it's the classic story, and I'll tell it again. Like, I'm excited about this too, but you know, it's a carry, carry a big stick and walk softly, or whatever the cliche is. I think that's a Gene Simmons B side from the vault. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, I know Gene and I know Paul and I know the dynamic, but like, this is pretty f- cool that no, 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 this obscure song. That's written by Gene, Bruce, and I think Eric has a co-write on that. So I sent it to Paul as well. But Paul was a little bit more like, I think the one quote that he gave me was, was the, the emoji, the puking emoji with the green puke coming out. Like, I don't <laughs> <laughs> He loves it. But Gene loved it, and Gene sent it to Bruce, and so they told me that, right? So I think once that came out, then I asked Bruce about about Heart of Chrome. Now, let me just say this. When I sent Paul Heart of Chrome, because beforehand I said, we're going to sing Heart of Chrome. He said, if you can sing that song in the original key with the original melody, then you're doing something, you know, something special. And I was like, oh, it's going to be the original key, original melody. Like, 
If I'm going to tackle that same thing when I did the wheel blocks over the summer with uh, Phil Demmel and Johnny from Avenged and, and Nita, like you can't down tune it because Maiden fans are like Kiss fans. They're listening. If you if you're not good enough to do it, don't do it. So when Paul said that, I was like, okay. And then I sent it sent it to him, and he's like, this is great. This is great stuff. Paul loved Heart of Chrome. Gene loved No No No. And that's the way it should be. Why would they like each other? A <laughs> true band. I hate his. It's like yeah. So, but I, I think, like we said, to have Bruce involved with that, and and I just want to say something else too about um, about how uh, influential Charlie Benanti was in all of this because when I told Charlie we were doing this, and he he knew about Joe and Classic Seven Eight because Charlie is a seventies Kiss fan to the end of time could really care less about 80s 90s really like there's certain guys that are like that right yeah so when i told charlie he had done his series of i think he had done i don't know whatever the f- he did 2112 and he was doing mother love bone but i said who is editing your videos because right and he said this cat called dima levin chuck from seattle so dima did both of our uh, uh, first two quarantine videos and did such a great job because that's when, that was us just filming it on our iPhones. Incredible. Like in the midst of the lockdown, right? Yeah. So then Charlie ends up doing some Kiss covers and tell us how that came about. It was Mr. Speed and I think it's, is it all the way? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, so Joe, tell us how you got involved in that because then you brought PJ on board as well. Right. So I want to say I've known Charlie for maybe uh, four or five years. Um, you know, he, he was kind of a uh, very uh, vocal in his love for Classic 78. And he was always, you know, promoting us where he could. And um, so he reached out to me years ago and kind of basically we talked to Classic 78 and 70s Kiss. And the first time I ever said, do you like uh, any of the 80s Kiss? What? <laughs> Was there was there an '80s Kiss? <laughs> you know, I believe there's no other era of the band, you know, which I I respect. I definitely understand where he's coming from in some aspects, but you know that's Charlie. But anyway, um, you know, obviously we all had extra time during this, and uh, Charlie, I actually told Charlie, I said, I know we talked about it before, but why don't we actually do it? We'll do a video, and we'll uh, you know kind of pick a song and. We were throwing around ideas, and I said, I think I have a bass player. You know, kind of the same thing that you did. And uh, I asked PJ, and then John Five got on board, and, uh, you know, is Lightweights, kind of- you know, just really terrible players. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of how it happened. It was, you know, just just for fun, you know. And uh, then we ended up doing the second one. And, um, but, you know, it's just it, to, you know, introduce PJ and, and uh, those guys – it's cool because I've known Charlie and Chris, you've known Charlie and you know, now the circle is kind of complete as far as uh six degrees of separation or whatever they call it. Um, I bought Char- I bought Charlie's coffee, uh, his shirt for his company. I've never <laughs> met Charlie. I'm a huge Charlie. Fan. I'm a huge fan. That's cool. I, never met Charlie, but... I invited him to your show when he, when you were uh, in Chicago. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. And they, yeah, they ended up not being able to come. He was busy, but I was trying to hook you guys up. PJ, did you, did you have any interactions with Charlie at all? Uh, or, or John? I had known Charlie for a good, good number of years. I mean, not very well, but I mean, we'd see each other a lot over the, I mean, from the late eighties on to, you know, to currently. 
and we have a lot of mutual friends too. So, I mean, there was, there was definitely a, uh, a connection there already. We have a rapport, so to speak, but you know, we never worked together and didn't talk on it. Well, see, that's a great, uh, kind of a, a, you never want to use positive and coronavirus in the same sentence, but that's another one of the pluses of the Corona lockdown is that you had anthrax and trickster working together. You know, the comment on the the Mr. Speed video, like, I don't think I'd ever live to see the day that I would see (laughs) anthrax and the bass player and trickster recording together. yeah, in masks too. You guys had like the the the. Is it was it like the the toque with the mask on it or whatever it was? I had the rubber mask on. <laughs> yeah. So did you guys did did you have to all order your own or did Charlie send them all to you? Nope, we're all at our own uh, <laughs> our own devices there. John Five had the original from nineteen seventy eight. Of course, he's like the, the hot kids Halloween costume or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's got the well, right stuff. His collection is insane. Yeah. It's very insane. But then Kent, just once again, to complete the circle, then Bruce calls you to play some drums on one of his songs. Incredible. Yeah. Before that, I mean, I got to play uh, PJ. Uh, I was on. Oh, you played on PJ's record I too? I did. I played on one song. I was getting to that. We're all ancestral. Yeah. This is <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm from Kentucky, so it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. No, no but anyway... I digress. All right. So before Kent tells us how he ended up playing on Bruce Kulick's solo album, I got to say a quick thank you to Geico for always supporting Talk is Jericho. I know all you guys listening either own or rent your homes. I know it's hard work, but you know it's easy. Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Just go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Go check it out now. All right, Kent, how did you end up playing on Bruce Kulick's songs? Bruce reached out, and him and his wife were doing um, the, the band with Michael Bolton, uh, somebody. Um, Blackjack. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, I, I had a brain lapse there. Uh, Blackjack. So the song that he had written, uh, as far as I know, with uh, Michael or co-wrote, and he was wanting to recut that. And... Um, to do kind of a play along thing that him and his wife are going to do. You know, he puts up some of the videos of him and his wife singing. And yes, stuff. singing, so, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, he asked me to play drums on it. And uh, again, uh, you know, 90, you know, I saw Bruce in 88. I think was the first time I saw Bruce was on the Crazy Nights tour. And I, you know, I, I don't take any of this for granted. It's it's just a trip. Yeah. The fact that I could shoot Bruce a text and, hey, man, how you doing? And he actually responds. You know, it's like likewise with all you guys. You know, it's 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 just it's crazy the way this whole thing happened. So yeah, I played on a Bruce song, PJ song. I played with Chris Jericho and by God, Joe McGinnis. Kiss has a way of connecting people, you know, and that always has been. Uh, and Joe, you actually, uh, I'm paraphrasing this. If so, if I'm wrong, please correct me. But you have some kind of an endorsement deal now that Bruce hooked up for you. Yeah. So ESP guitars. That's great. Well, he saw me playing the the LTD ESP and the no, no, no video. And he's like, are you endorsed? I said, no, no, by no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no, no, no. And, no, whole price. <laughs> uh, my people at ESP and I'm thinking, oh yeah, okay. You know, I'll never hear anything. A couple days later, I got an email from Tony at ESP and, you know, I put together a, a little, um, you know, press kit 
and a little bit of a video with that. And you guys helped me out with that. So thank you. But uh, yeah, I put that out. And within a couple of days, he said, yeah, you're, we want you. Uh, and that was, you know, the rest is history. So now, uh, you know, I play exclusively ESPRs. I mean, that's so badass, man. That's really cool. But, you know, it also speaks a lot to Bruce and how, you know, just what a great guy he is. He's just so, I don't know. He's just so uh, kind and generous and, you know, they always say don't uh, meet your uh, idols or whatever. But, man, he's he proves that whole theory. Yeah. He's just yeah. Paul called him a mensch in his book. I was like, what does a mensch mean? I mean, it's a Jewish word for, like, just a great dude, you know? He's got That's a good soul. You can tell when you talk to him or he's just soft-spoken and – he, he, he's got a, a passion for what he does, and I'm honored to fly the flag for this era of KISS that he yeah. was in because I wouldn't so, be here without it, you know. So as we start to kind of wind down here, let's talk about our first big meeting, which is great. So, so you know, once again, every trip nowadays is, is a little bit of an adventure, you know. And the one thing that I have in PJ as well is that we've still been working and have been taking some trips and that sort of thing. But I believe – for both Kent and Joe coming to Tampa was maybe your first trip in a year, almost 10 months, whatever it was, Kent. I had had a, I had had a handful of trips. I, I have a buddy of mine, a producer buddy I work with in Fort Myers. I'd been to right. town. I'd, I'd flown maybe twice, uh, maybe twice. So I was, you know, doing the whole wipe, wipe the seat down, mask and double mask and goggles and the whole thing, you know? <laughs> so anyway, I, um, so it worked out, lo and behold, I was Super Bowl weekend. Um, we had already planned the video shoot at your place. And then I get an email from, from Luke's camp saying, hey, we're going to do a thing for the Super Bowl. Literally the day before I was going to fly in with you guys. That's awesome. So anyway, I just turned it into a, to a trip. And I went to, uh, after I got done with the video, I rented a car the next day and went to Fort Myers and did, did some sessions with my buddy. Julian, so it's just, again, the way the, the universe worked that whole trip out. I did have to play with Luke, flew in with those guys, <laughs> and was at your place doing the video, and then to Fort Myers, and then back home. So, yeah, and that was, that was your first gig with Luke in 10 months? A long time, yeah. We've done some filming for a, a, an award show type thing, but it was just kind of in and out. Yeah. So it was, the, it was the first time I really got to talk to him in a while, and, and talk to some of the camp in a while, and just shoot the breeze, and just, hey, how's life kind of thing? You know, it's yeah. been a while. And that's what's so cool about this. Not, I digress real quick, but I mean, when we started this thing, it was in knee deep. We were up to our eyeballs in Corona. Like this is, had just happened. So we were yeah. all, I mean, who knows what this is going to do. And so to come where we are now and we got to fly to your place and do what we did and actually be in the same. We yeah, all, same room. Yeah. We've all been tested and all this and that. And so it was really cool to actually be in the same room with you guys. So. We missed Kent when, when uh, we watched Animal Eyes. That's right. <laughs> my ride his, his ride was trying to leave two hours before. I'm like, I just ordered a whole bunch of food. You're not going anywhere, Schlotsky, whatever his name was. You go back inside the house right now. Rick, you can't fire right now. You can't leave. Uh, man, I was so bad. And then you guys sent me the picture of you guys doing the intro, and I was like, man. Heck, man. I was so but, mad. But, Joe, this was actually your, your first trip it in was. a year, right? Uh, we've been, you know, grounded. You know, uh, here in New York where I live and, you know, it's just, I was a little bit apprehensive, uh, not apprehensive, but a little bit, uh, nervous, not knowing what to expect with, you know, how airlines are, or yeah. how, uh, crazy things could get, uh, during a pandemic. 
you know, so this was my first time getting on a plane in uh, quite a while. And, uh, you know, landing in Tampa the day after the Super Bowl when everyone's trying to get out. <laughs> uh, so, but overall, you know, I focused on the destination and not as much as, the, you know, on the trip, you know, because I knew that whatever we were going to do was going to be a blast and it turned out great. And it was, you know, funny the first time, you know, we, we drove drove into your driveway and uh, headed up there. And first thing you said was, you're a real boy. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're a real boy, Joe. You actually exist. <laughs> that's, that's what I said to PJ the night before he, 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 he met with you and your wife and uh, had a drink or wherever the hell you guys were. And I said, do you guys, do you guys still like each other? Is the band still together? Or have we broken up? Like when you meet face to face, is everybody, is everyone really cool or? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool because the trip offered some normalcy and a relief from all this. So, I mean, just the whole experience was great. However, PJ almost got knocked out of his chair at the restaurant. <laughs> I heard about this. But uh, what happened? There was there was some uh, altercation happening at the the sports bar where we were having <laughs> a meal. And PJ had his back turned to this guy who was getting pretty uh, pretty uh, fired. <laughs> he fired up. I'm really talking excited. to Joe and his wife, and I'm like, I hear this yelling and screaming, and I don't know, you know, I got kids, so I hear that in my head all the time. I know how to block it out. So I'm like, oh, but then he's then it's getting closer. I'm going, what's going on? I'm like, oh my god, there's a guy standing at the table behind me, yelling into the face of some other guy who's sitting down, like, rah, 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 rah. and I just said to Joe and, and his wife Julie, I'm like, even if I was anywhere near that guy's size or in any physical shape to approach that guy. I couldn't match his intensity right now. So <laughs> swinging. I hope there's somebody in here that could take care of that. <laughs> I'm not going to try. I'm going to get up and go, all right, wait, hold on. What's up, dude? <laughs> like, you can't do that. No, you would get up and say, you know, I'm a pretty rough guy. <laughs> and they would run. I had no roughness that day. <laughs> you know it's funny too just to go back to when we were talking about how joe uh, this is kind of his first exposure to this side of the coin and when we were doing the video and his wife uh, who was amazing and you're so cool you're like i have my wife with me do you mind if she comes to watch the shoot like if not she'll just stay like where stay at the hotel for 15 hours as we do this shoot have her come so she was off watching and we were doing our big scene with like, you know, talking with the roughage and we're, which was PJ's idea, by the way, which is amazing. And I'm a pretty rough guy. She's like, Joe, stop laughing. Stop smiling. Stop looking at the camera. <laughs> every time he look at, every time he look at you, Chris, or anybody else, but the cereal bowl, he would laugh. <laughs> but we got it. I watch it back and it's perfect. And I was like, this is the perfect amount to give Joe. You've got one line <laughs> and you look up and you say, and you look down. We'll ease into it. I'm not, uh, you know, I know it. I'll, yeah. I'll accept one line. That's why you had the line. That's exactly why you had it. You saved I'm gonna me. Need my, I'm going to need my script before the next video shoot. I need, I need That's it right. ahead of time. That way I can memorize it. It's not like Jerry Seinfeld when he says a, says a line on the show and he can't stop smirking. It's just laughing. Jimmy Fallon on Siren Live laughing. Well, and the funny thing is, PJ, PJ sent a text about doing an intro based on Exposed and none of us responded to it, which I think hurt his feelings a bit. I'm like, I don't even know these guys anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we text so much, I never even noticed it. I didn't see it. it you know, but it was a great idea. And then I was like, well, what if we kind of expanded a bit? And you're like, what do you mean? So I wrote up like the worst script ever, like in three minutes at a red light. 
send it to you guys and say, this is what we're doing, like, you know, tonight or tomorrow. <laughs> and it, but that's what it was. We started it was. what you wrote, yeah. Yeah, it, great, great. It was really fun to, to, like you said, just to be doing a video and, and, and you know, just to be around the guys. And then Nathan Mowry, who's the director, great ideas. And, and like I said, all I saw, thought of was, let, let's make this kind of like, okay, what can we do? Let's make it like the Lick It Up video, uh, All Hells Break Loose, post-apocalyptic with the barrels of fire. And that's exactly what they did. It was incredible. <laughs> it was great. Honestly, it was all hands on deck, too. We and, had guys. And I had no idea that it was actually going to be a hoop of fire that you were going to jump through. I was like, man, I, I had so many regrets. Like, Because you were like, build it, Joe. You're good at I'm like, well, I don't know how the hell I'm going to get a hoop of fire on a plane. So <laughs> I just throw everything on you. Joe can do it. He can build shit. Right. Yeah, like, going, how am I going to get me on a plane, let alone a hoop of fire? Right. Right. I'm not even ready to go. So PJ and I are at dinner, and the next thing I know, I, I'm like, PJ, man, I really wish we had that hoop of fire. That would have been so awesome. And he goes, he's probably doing dry runs with it right now. Are you kidding? <laughs> I know, Chris. And yeah. I swear to God, it was like an hour later, that message comes up, and it there shows shows the hoop of fire. And PJ texts me <laughs> on just our single, you know, back and forth. PJ goes, what did I tell you? <laughs> Not only that, Chris also goes during the day, yeah, I'm also going to light my hands on fire. Yeah. I was like, What? But it's like, yeah, you know, like we're you know, like Paul's if I was thing. a kid watching that video in 2021 and I knew nothing about Kiss and I saw that I would be hooked. I would say that is awesome. Just to, to you know, I've said this before, but to say it on our show, like that's how I got into Kiss. So the first thing I ever saw, like I knew the makeup thing, whatever, but I had no idea they took their makeup off. And when I saw Heavens on Fire, I was like, who's that guy? Because it starts with his hands on fire. And then you watch them. It's still the best. They're just having the best time. And there's naked chicks and they're making out and tongues are out and <laughs> the showers and uh, and at the end then the f guy jumps through the hoop of fire and i was like i love this guy who is that that's paul stanley that's kiss like what right. so deep down inside when we started you know doing this somehow i was like i have to jump through a hoop of fire so nathan is a fire guy he works with the cherry bombs who were in the first in the Judas video and in the painless video. So I said, Nathan, you got to find me a hoop of fire. And that's all I had to say. It took, dude, he had, he had to borrow his brother's truck because his car was too small to <laughs> hold the hoop of fire. He had barrels, hoops of fire, everything. He, he's the one who came up with the idea of burning my hands. And it's like, and, and by the way, no safety measures. <laughs> there was, I didn't see a fire extinguisher anywhere. No. And I'm like, I don't mind jumping through the fire, but how am I going to land? And dude, I jumped because I know you got to be straight. And when I landed on a thing, it was like a thud right on my bread basket. Just, And the fact you did it. Like, live audio of that and you landing on the mat. It's like, Ooh. I still think we should have put that at the end of the video. Silence long and. Would you say, Joe? That first jump, you nailed it first try. Well, and I, I knew, so I said, make sure you get this because I don't know how I'm going to land. And if you want me to do it again, it won't be as good. Of course, they did want me to do it again. And then I bail a bit because I know I don't want to land on my stomach again. So we used the first one. We got exactly what we needed. And one last thing is that we filmed it on a Tuesday, knowing that our song was coming out on the Friday. And Nathan did it, man. He put, And I was, I was skiing in Park City, putting together the last edits on the chairlift when you're going up with my hand, like gloves are off and I'm watching it. I'm like, that's incredible. Just edit this out. 
and all, you know, also too, while we're on here too, a lot of people, the sonic vision that, that Chris, you had, and we all kind of agreed to too, was kind of taking the old kiss sound. If we, if kiss was to come out today, what today. Would it sound like? So taking the industrial sound today and, and kind of putting that. So let, I want to give props to uh, Kyle Odell. Yes. Kyle Odell. Yeah. For mixing yeah. the, he, uh, Chris, you've worked with him. Yes. It's on Fozzie stuff, right? Yes. But that guy is a monster. I, I was uh, fortunate last year to have three top 25 songs with three different bands. Nowhere to Run by Fozzie went to 10. That's crazy. Wow. Wheel Blocks went to 20 and No 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 was 25. All of those were mixed by Kyle Odell. He's there you go. great, great uh, mixer. And I said to him from the start, he's like, what do you want from this? And I said, like, do you want me to capture the original sound? I said, no, like imagine this song came out in 2020 and wanted to be on the radio because that's what we wanted. We wanted the song to be on the radio. So, and that's where we're laughing about PJ's Frank Bellow bass tone spot on snare, the snare drum. And the, it, the whole thing is just amazing. So, uh, the drums are right here, you know, right and in front. I'm and hang out Casey and Rick. Your buddy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Casey and Rick. All oh, hands on deck. The wives and everybody. Yeah. Super, took super uh, everyone doing the, yeah. Casey from Queens, right? Casey Grillo lent us his drums. He also did a great, um, drum head for it so like like you guys said it was all hands on deck and it worked out great because the first week we did forty thousand views and we'll hit a hundred thousand probably quicker than no 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 and, and heart of chrome did so and we may even play live one day who knows well that's the thing so that i got two more things i want to talk one is that since loves a deadly weapon came out we already have offers to play gigs pj yeah right. yeah pj yeah we're getting getting the calls already coming in yeah you guys are my son's birthday party hey <laughs> We'll do it, man. I re I wrestled at a birthday party once. I got paid a hot dog and an orange juice, so you can't do worse than that. But I, I think that's one thing. Like we were talking about maybe doing something on the Jericho cruise, and I, I love the fact that, once again, like we said earlier, we can do this as much as we want or as little as we want, but there's no reason to ever not do it. And I would like to play live, and I'd like to make it very special to, I don't know, I'm just listening to me, delusions of great expectations. You've got great expectations. You know, we could do Kiss Cruises or we could do Kiss Conventions or we could do M3 or like those type of gigs. Coffee houses. <laughs> Wherever. Well, that's you on your acoustic, PJ. And I'll be in the I'll be in the back cheering you on. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> so now that we know we want to do some more gigs and we want to do some more songs, we don't want to give anything away. But let's give let's give two or three choices as the last questions of songs that we would like to do in the future is quarantine, because like we keep saying between lick it up, animalize asylum, crazy nights, uh, hot in the shade, revenge carnival. There's literally probably 20 songs off the top of our heads that we could do, you know, and that's, there's probably more than that. Oh my gosh. I could go on and on, you know, any of I, you guys throw me any song and I'm down for it. Uh, so, what, what choices would you, you start? What choices would you like to do, Kent, if you could? Man, I tell you, so we're keeping it obscure. I've always dug uh, Tough Love, I think, is, is always Ooh. one of my favorites. Um, I'm going to try to go through albums. Let's see. Let's. Uh, I'll, I'll pick a Gene song. I like uh, Trial by Fire. Mm. I've always loved that melody. Um, let's see. I'll go back to a Paul song. Gosh, that wasn't a Bruce song I was getting ready to say, but uh, I'll just throw one that's not a Bruce song. I've always had a, 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 a really, I've always dug I've Had Enough into the fire. Yeah. That's just, 
that album is, is, is awesome too. But, you know, a Bruce song, I would say, you know, gosh, there's so many. What do you think, Joe? Uh, I'm a huge <clears throat> Who Wants to Be Lonely fan. So does that count, though? Because they made a video for it, though. Yeah, but it, like, here's how I look at it. Like, an average person may not know that song. You know, it wasn't like Crazy Nights or Rock and Roll All Night or... It was never a single. I'll tell you that. But that's basically what I'm getting at. But, uh, you know, I, I like Any Way You Slice It. I like, mm. you know... <laughs> what a song title. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, anything off Crazy Nights, I'm just such a huge fan of anything Bruce did with them. Um, you know, even stuff off Hot in the Shade, man. I mean... Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Great stuff there. King of Hearts. Holy cow. Yeah. You you talk about like uh, like a million to one is right up there for me. I know Steve Brown covered it, but it was more of a, like, but that was never a single, which is ridiculous. Should have been a single. Under the Gun. Oh, yep. great. Uh, Silver Spoon. Oh. Mm -hmm. I would love to do a version of My Way, but the rule is no keyboards allowed. So whatever keyboard part there is, Joe, you would have to make it heavy. Right, I can make it sound contemporary, and like that would be great. With instead of the keyboards of a guitar, but round, wow, 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 or whatever, you know. That's the problem. A lot of Kiss fans have with some of that stuff was the keyboards. It wasn't. The yeah, guitar. they're great. You know, it's the production with the keyboard. If you take that out and we kind of revamp it, we could, you know, we make do that really banging and, uh, you know, great. Another one that I think is amazing is Master and Slave. From oh, Carnival. I, love, I love Carnival. I love that yeah. because it's so different. What do you think, PJ? I've always loved Good Girl Gone Bad. Oh, that was under contention for a single at one point. That melody. Great so song, awesome. man. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Um, take It Off. Oh, what a video that could be. PJ, well, no, he's got uh, <laughs> I'm Alive, maybe. Oh. Oh, that's a good one too, yeah. Well, you are trying to kill me. I don't I don't know if I could ever sing the lyric, my mind is getting dirty at around 1130. Uh-huh. <laughs> I might start laughing halfway through. <laughs> well, I hop into the car, hop into my car, hit the local. Teddy ball, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, there you go. The point being, there's so much great material. We could do this for years and years and years. And unfortunately, Joey Cassad is, is going to end up assassinating all of us. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch loves a deadly weapon is great i hate you what's that adam sandler movie where he gets a phone he crosses his name off a list yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, he's got a list of his own yeah, yeah. the list of casada i'm more afraid of his list than yours guys great always great talking to you and uh hanging out with you guys and like i said it was awesome to actually see you guys face to face and give real hugs and real you know, kisses on the cheek and all that great stuff that we did. So the next step, uh, besides the next quarantine song, it will be doing a gig, which I'm super excited about. We already came up with a set list the other night. And like, it's, it's like being a 15 year old kid again. Like what's your dream kiss non makeup set list. Now we actually get to do it. So yeah. good. It's exciting. Um, it's exciting. And once again, like you said, we can do this project for as long as we choose to. And I would like to continue doing it for, uh, for as long as all of us are still, on this planet, as long as all of us are still, I'm alive. All right. Well, the good thing is the songs are already written. We just got to choose them, you know. That's, <laughs> that's just, exactly it's it. The perfect side project. We don't have to do anything to play this. It doesn't have to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Great talking to you.
Thank you, See man. you guys. See Thanks. you, fellas.